as they were speaking, that is the apostles, Peter in particular, were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? They had healed a cripple earlier in the day before. And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? There's that question again, what shall we do? For that, uh, uh, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them to not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, whatever is right in the sight of God to listen to you people for whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you people for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together. 
to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of the father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the apostles of Israel, to do whatever your hand in your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness, with all boldness. And while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, you know, I like those long readings and it's because of the sense of context and the uh, importance of understanding what we came to talk about. And so the interpretation of today's passage starts with a commitment to the idea that they wanted to be bold. They wanted to be bold. They witnessed the boldness of their leaders, the apostles, and they wanted to be as bold. They asked for it. They didn't say, well, I'm just not that outgoing. Or I would say, I'm, I'm kind of an introvert, you know. You'd keep up the good work and so on. But no, they prayed for boldness. In fact, Luke's gospel is followed by the Acts of the Apostles as a sort of part two to uh, the uh, gospel of Luke. And he constructs it in a very specific way. Luke wants you to see that the apostles went about doing exactly what Jesus charged them to do when he said to them, go and make disciples and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so he packs six complete units together in the Acts of the Apostles, the first three being about how the word was spread in Jerusalem and Judea, and then how the word was spread in Samaria and around the world. So he's specifically demonstrating to you how the Acts of the Holy Spirit actually fulfilled exactly what Jesus commanded them and us to do as he departed and left them equipped with his presence wherever they are and throughout all of time, which means he was giving us the same command. And the boldness of these early Christians was the testimony that was more, the most effective. In other words, you can listen to that passage that you just heard and you realize that These sophisticated, high-ranking religious and government officials in the capital city were really stunned by the boldness 
and frankly, by the technically accurate and actually technically superior scriptural testimony of what they would have considered a bunch of rednecks speaking with the thick southern drawl, and that's how they would have interpreted the way they heard these people talking. It didn't make sense to them that these good old boys in pickup trucks with shotguns and beer could suddenly become these powerful witnesses who were affecting people by the thousands. And so that's how they interpreted it. And frankly, they were appalled and unable to comprehend how they had not been able to stop this movement by killing its leader, Jesus. It was inconceivable to these people that with his death, this thing got bigger. It's not like they didn't understand that sometimes when you kill someone who is a religious leader or some other zealot of some kind, they become a kind of martyr and in a way they're more powerful in death. I mean, look at how we revere people like Abraham Lincoln and John F. Kennedy and, you know, uh, it isn't that they didn't deserve our recognition, but they became bigger than life in death. And so it's not like people then didn't know that, but what they couldn't wrap their minds around was the profound effect that this all had on people. You know, it wasn't like they kept talking about him. They were working miracles. They were refuting incorrect doctrine with the same authority that Jesus had done it. And they were taking on the religious hierarchy with an abandon that suggested they had nothing to lose and everything to gain. It's hard for us to understand this, but believe it or not, in most of the world, even today, general populations tend to submit to authorities. They generally assume that a person in the uniform has more power than them or a person with a title has more power than them and they have a tendency to just let that be. They just try not to disturb the authorities or the powers that be because their lives are generally less problematic if they do so. That's the way most people in the world function even today. We Americans are a little bit more prone to rebel against injustice and things like that. But for the most part, the world has always been dominated by a small group of oppressors and survived by the rest of us. So it shouldn't surprise you then that in this story of the boldness of the early Christians, that in itself was shocking and disturbing to both the oppressors and the ones who submitted to that. How in the world would you guys be so brave and reckless as to take on the authorities and to argue with them about what they think is true. How would you challenge the very people who orchestrated the death of Jesus and who likely would do the same to you? What is wrong with you people? 
That's what they were thinking about the apostles and about the early Christians. And what was remarkable was that it resulted in thousands of people committing their lives to Christ, which meant that this movement was at growing at an explosive rate. And this was terribly disturbing to everyone in the areas where the gospel was being proclaimed, which were Jerusalem and Judea, and eventually Samaria and the rest of the world. And again, it was more than anything, the boldness of the proclamation that was driving people to reconsider their possibilities. You know, the fact of the matter is, is another thing you can count on in human society is, is the effect of one person who's willing to break with convention and then all the other people follow them. For example, you are driving down the interstate and there's a great long traffic jam and then suddenly you notice someone up ahead of you who does a U-turn in the median and takes off in the other direction and pretty soon because you were inspired by their boldness, you do the same and so do a whole lot of other people. We are really a bunch of lemmings sometimes, aren't we? If it comes right down to it, most of us will do what we see one bold person doing if it looks like it will get better results. And so we have a tendency, most of us, to follow a few bold leaders wherever they go. And I might add, it happens in church every Sunday. Now that we've made standing and sitting and all of that optional, some of you boldly stand without hesitation and the others look around and they stand too. I mean, it's just our nature, friends. It's okay. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm a lemming too. Google that if you don't know what it is. My point is that people will be inspired by one bold leader or a group of bold leaders and they will follow. Unfortunately, that can be negative too, right? Because there are bold leaders who will lead you down to a path of destruction. And so you have to be alert and you have to be well informed. And part of what we do here in this family of faith is we gather each week for a short message like this so that we can be better informed. We gather in a Sunday school class or some other small group conversation so that we can be better informed and we believe the efficacy of scripture for that information. And so that's why it's important to have a working knowledge of your Bible and to understand the truth of Christian doctrine, and it is important to have a biblical worldview so that you can be less prone to following bold but foolish people in a path of self-destruction. In fact, Satan's counting on that. The enemy is counting on that. And so my recommendation to you then is to stay in scripture, make regular attendance to these kinds of activities 
a part of your life and perhaps even listen to good, sound biblical instruction throughout the week in many form or forms or others and read scripture or listen to scripture often. And then pray for boldness, just like the early Christians did. Pray for boldness. Ask the Lord to give you the courage not to necessarily be like someone that you admire and you figure is better at that than you. I've always argued that it's a good idea to follow or, or, or study the example of people who have the qualities that you desire. I recommend that, but I also want you to understand that when you pray for boldness, what you should most desire is the boldness to be the best version of yourself witnessing for Christ. And that means that all the many diverse people that I see before me can witness for Christ in many and diverse ways. And all are effective if you're bold and you live in the spirit of Christ. So your first mission, of course, is to welcome the relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit. The early believers were this crazy about Jesus because they knew Jesus. They knew him, and so no one could tell them, don't speak in the name of this Jesus anymore, because they knew that they had been in the company of even eaten with the risen Lord Jesus, and nobody was going to talk them out of that. And of course, their bold witness, informed by their experiences, made it easy for the ones who converted under the apostles' leadership to also believe with the same conviction. But as time passes, even unto this day, the experience of a personal relationship with Christ comes through the Holy Spirit. And so we have to welcome that spirit if we truly want to be his disciples. If we want to be like the apostles who knew him in the flesh and were present with him in the resurrection, if we want to believe as they believed, then we have to welcome his spirit. That's why he gave it to us, so that we might know him personally, too. So the first thing you have to do then when you pray for boldness is to pray for the boldness to believe that you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And to understand that that very spirit that you are praying to can infuse your very being with his very being. And so you become like them hopelessly devoted to Christ and even filled with his spirit. Now, after that, you pray for the boldness to seek the truth and to speak the truth in love, to boldness to recognize that the proliferation and preservation of scripture was by God's design. And that is why you have unprecedented access to the Holy Bible in your day so that you might be so well informed and you have unprecedented access to spirit-filled biblical guides who will help you 
seek and understand the truth of the gospel and the Bible's way of informing our lives about everything. And if you don't know that yet, trust me. If you'll seek scriptural truth with the help of the Holy Spirit and spirit-filled brothers and sisters, you will become aware, as I have, of the absolutely perfectly effective nature of the Bible. And I delight in spending time with you, helping you in that way. Have the boldness to preach the good news like you can't help it. You do the same for lesser things. Football season will be starting soon, and I dare say some of you will go out of your way to make sure everyone knows which team you're rooting for. I'll be rooting for the Steelers personally, but, you know, I'm just saying you do this all the time with lesser things, and so pray for the boldness to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in all things, and in every place, and by every means. I think one of the most profoundly beautiful things about the wedding that happened in here yesterday was that two Christian believers still young in the faith are still so on fire for Christ that they could not imagine having their marriage occur without a bold testimony for Jesus Christ. And those of you who were here saw not only the the testimony of their love for each other, but their strong testimony for Jesus Christ. They were bold, and we should be so bold. We should proclaim Christ with every fiber of our being, and let it be so. And then don't be surprised if signs happen. Don't be surprised if the earth shakes don't be surprised if worldly authorities, be, authorities become really disgusted with you and frustrated with you. Don't be surprised if the enemy becomes very active in his attempts to shut down what you're doing. We had some laughs last Sunday, didn't we, about how when you preach the Holy Spirit, don't be surprised if Satan trips you up and the communion hosts fly, and the pastor reads the wrong scripture, and, and all those crazy things, right? Because that's Satan saying, you know, I don't want these people to boldly proclaim Christ in truth and love. And then live under the sure and certain sovereignty of God over all things. Spirit-filled believers are not afraid because they do not think of their lives the way they once did. Now they think of life eternal, and that means that you have a perspective like that of God himself, and you're not afraid because you know this is not all there is, and that whatever happens is entirely under God's control. Did you hear that in the passage we read? They said it didn't matter what you guys thought you were doing, God was orchestrating it all. They told boldly all the authorities who thought they were managing all of these affairs that nothing happened that wasn't outside of God's perfect will. 
And so we too are those kind of people. We look at our lives from an eternal perspective and we don't worry about things because God has this under control. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word. Now burn it upon our hearts and make us bold witnesses, we pray. Shake our lives up. Make us unafraid to proclaim you and to boldly resist evil. We pray for your name's sake. Amen. Thank you.